0: You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 66, From Small to Large, Respecting Size Differences in Children. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Yami. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and speaker. Focus on habits and behaviors, not your child's weight. Dr. Yami. Welcome back, veggie lovers. I hope that you're having a fabulous day. Thank you for joining me again on this beautiful Sunday. I'm really excited about this episode because I love talking about this. I have lots of practice since I talk about it almost every single day, and it is respecting size differences in children. But before I launch into it, remind you about my book, The Intuitive Eating Handbook for Parents. It's called A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating how to raise kids who love to eat healthy. And if you wanna get on my newsletter, find out what I'm doing, be the first to know about new events and happenings, go to dryami.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-Y-A-M-I.com. You can sign up from the homepage or go to forward slash signup, S-I-G-N-U-P. You can also text the word fiber, F-I-B-E-R, to text fiber to Okay, so this is one of those episodes where I feel like I need to give a medical disclaimer because I am a pediatrician, but I am not your child's pediatrician. So I am not giving you medical advice in this episode, I'm giving you education, and you should continue to follow the recommendations of your physician. If you have more questions, definitely seek out your provider and ask them about these things. Okay, well let's launch into this. One of the things I encounter in my practice as a pediatrician, and probably all pediatricians do, this is very common, is when parents get distressed about their child's size. So they have anxiety, and this ranges from kids that they perceive might be too small to kids they may perceive might be too large. There are definitely going to be situations where there are legitimate concerns, and that's why there's doctors come to us and we tell you if you should be worried or not. I always tell my families to let me be the one that worries, and I'll tell them if we need to worry. There are definitely legitimate concerns cases where, yeah, there's something going on that we need to address. But the majority of the time when parents are concerned, I'm just providing reassurance. And there are times when this anxiety and this concern can be prompted by family members, sometimes other medical professionals, well-meaning friends. They can start as a simple comment, oh, she's so tiny, why is she so little, to, you know, like just these little offhand comments and that just puts that doubt in your brain and it's a perfect thing to chew on when you're a mom or a new parent and you start worrying about your child. This can definitely be detrimental when it's, not founded and that's because it changes the way we feed our children and after i describe to you a little bit about growth charts and all of that kind of stuff i'm going to go into what happens when we start getting obsessed with our kid being too small or we start getting anxious about our kid being too large and Honestly, I think I have experience with both of these, and I I have two sons, and I'll tell you about my experiences in a little bit, but I feel like I can identify with both of those concerns. So first, let's talk about growth charts. When you take your child in to a wellness check, they're physical. For some kids, it might be every year after the age, you know, three, once they turn three, they're just going once a year usually. But in the first two years of life, you're at the pediatricians or at the family practice doctors, your nurse practitioner, your PA. You're seeing them a lot, Okay, You're seeing them every couple of months, every three months. And your baby is getting weighed and measured, and their head's getting measured. And parents are just so excited, especially with the first baby. They want to know all the numbers. They want to put it in the baby book and they tend to focus a lot on those numbers. So I want to explain to you what these numbers mean. Okay, so first of all, these numbers are neutral. The number itself, the percentile, whatever number we we come up with when we weigh and measure your child is neutral. They have to be interpreted in context, which I'll go into a little bit later. For the majority of practitioners, this may not be everybody, we use for the first two years of life the World Health Organization growth charts that go from zero to 24 months. And then on the x axis, we have the age of the child. So, you know, it goes in months at the bottom. And then on the y-axis we have the weight, the length, or the head circumference. There's also for the under twos, there is a one graph that plots the weight on one axis and the length on the other axis to kind of see where they are, their weight for their length. Then what we have is these lines that go across the middle and that kind of go up and over and out. You know, they just kind of go up across the page, several little lines. And those are called percentile lines. Now, the way I like to explain it to parents, say you have a child that comes in at four months old. Let's say it's a boy. You have a four-month-old boy, comes in on his four-month birthday, and he is at 75th percentile for his weight. What that means is that if you had a hundred four-month-old boys lined up in size from lightest to heaviest, your four-month-old would be number 75 in that order. That's what that means, okay? So it's just a way of kind of looking at the spectrum of where your child lies. There's going to be more kids, like if you've ever seen a normal curve, like a bell curve where it goes and you have one side of the curve, it's not very many to the other side, it's a lot, and then you have the ones in the middle where there's the, the most amount of people that fall under that characteristic. So most children are going to be somewhere in that middle area, and there's gonna be less that are really large, and there's gonna be a small amount that are really small. So you're, you're kinda of looking at children on this distribution, and then you're putting them into percentiles, okay? What happens is when parents come in it's almost like they're using that number as a grade, like as a, as a, you know, grade in school, like good mark, bad mark, bad, good sort of thing. And it's not, it's not like that because whenever we look at a baby's growth, we're looking at a trend over time. So what I want to see when I look at their growth is that they're following a relatively consistent trend. Now, not every kid's gonna be perfectly on one percentile. They may go up and down a little bit, but what I'm looking for not to happen is that they're taking these plunges down or these huge leaps up, that they're staying relatively constant. So what determines the growth of a child, what determines the size of a child? Well, there's a lot of things that go into it. Their genetic blueprint, and this is based upon their parents. (laughs) So when I first see a baby for the first time or a child for the first time, it's very important for me to get parents' heights so that I can calculate a mid-parental height so that if there's ever a concern on the child's growth, I can kind of see what might be a predicted range for what their final adult height will be. Because guess what? Genes are very important to how small or large your child is going to be. The ultimate size of your child is heavily influenced by their genetics. This is not just for height, this is also for their body type. So that's the other thing is body type. So sometimes I'll see really lean kids and they're just, their body type is very, very lean. And usually when I do a little bit more digging, both parents growing up were very lean and that's how they were. And they may not still be that way and that's why it's important for me to ask, what were you growing up before you hit puberty or before you reached adulthood? What was your body type like? And that's really important to know. It's also um, dependent, the growth and size of your child is also dependent on adequate access to calories and their health status. So all of the stuff I'm saying is assuming that you have a healthy, thriving child that has adequate access to calories and they're eating sufficiently. So a typically developing child. In future podcast episodes, I'm going to talk about situations that are definitely not normal and I'm going to have an expert on to talk about extreme pickiness in children and things like that. So you'll know that there are some situations, they're more rare for sure, that they do have valid concerns. They're presenting with valid concerns for me. But the majority of kids are not like that. So your child, their growth, their size is dependent on their genetics, their environment, body types of their parents, those kinds of things. So whenever I see parents, I feel like, especially when they're babies, we sometimes get concerned about the lower percentiles and height. So Parents really get super happy when I say like 75th or 80th, 90th percentile. There's a lot of babies that get to that size, especially breastfed babies can get rather plump. Everybody loves a fat baby. It's, I feel like that's like universally accepted. Like fat babies are good. Very rarely do I see a mom that gets anxious about that. If she does, it's usually because she herself has some body image or dieting history. So we work through it. But most of the time when it comes to babies, parents are more concerned if their child is on one of the lower percentiles. Like I said, that's not a bad grade, it's not a bad mark. That baby may have always been there and they're growing and thriving and developing perfectly for them. But it really depends on their history. Remember, these numbers, these percentiles have to be interpreted in context of the baby the history, what's going on. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Let's talk about what problems may happen when we get concerned about a child that genetically is following their blueprint and doing what their body is telling them to do, but we're anxious about it. So first of all, the small child. So if you have a child that's always been small, whatever percentile, and I say quote small because all of it's all relative, right? I mean, it's all relative. It's even relative in different um, cultures and ethnic groups. That's another thing that I didn't mention earlier, that different ethnic groups have different body types, height ranges, and so for them, that might be more of an average height compared to a different culture where maybe shorter or larger or whatever. So. Whenever parents start getting anxious that they have a small child for whatever reason, what happens is that they start over on getting them to eat more. And like I said in a previous podcast, 80% of parents try to get their kids to eat more anyway, so I'm sure that these parents are pushing even harder. So they start chasing them around with food at meal times. They're like, one more bite, come on, eat this. You can't eat that unless you eat this. You know, trying to bribe them into eating whatever so that they can eat something else. Um, and then the other thing that happens is that they just give up because the child's probably not hungry and not wanting to eat. So, they, so the parents get frustrated, give up, and then they just allow the child to, quote, eat whatever they want and graze and eat all day because they're so panicked that their child is not gaining enough weight. Unfortunately, this strategy backfires. And especially if your child is tuned into their body and doesn't enjoy overeating, and it could be painful for them to try to eat more, very unpleasant for them then they start becoming even pickier and pickier about food, and it becomes this huge battle and meltdowns at the table, and it can really get out of control. And it all might have stemmed from a parent who feels like they need to get more calories in the child or fatten the kid up or whatever it is. So this is what can happen when we get worried about having too small of a child and start trying to overfeed the child. The opposite situation is whenever we have a what we perceive to be a large child or a body has a body type that's larger than other children and we start getting concerned about that. So then parents may start restricting, so restricting portion sizes, restricting types of food and sometimes treating the child differently than siblings or other family members, giving the mom look when the child tries to reach something, or just being very over-focused on every single thing the child is eating because we're afraid that they're eating too much. As you can imagine, this also tends to backfire when we do this. Um, Usually the eating gets even more out of control The child may start sneaking food, hoarding food, hiding, and the child themselves, because they've been restricted and they feel this sense of scarcity around food, may actually start to obsess about food and think about food all the time. Because that's what happens when food is restricted from somebody or whenever you do it to yourself. If, the, if you ever had experience, you know what that feels like. Whenever you tell yourself, I will never eat chocolate again, what are you thinking about all day? Yep, chocolate. So both of these strategies tend to backfire. So what I recommend, if you have a family member or a friend or somebody that told you your kid is too small or too big or you yourself perceive that your kid is too small or too big, go talk to your medical provider and go over the growth charts to determine whether this really is an issue. And instead of focusing on the size of your body, of your child's body, or your body too, <laughs> focus more on habits and behaviors that promote health and get them to where they need to be as far as their health and their well being. And in the next episode, I'm gonna talk all about how to support your child with intuitive eating. But this really will help you understand that most kids are growing along their genetic potential, they're thriving, as long as they've been provided with what they need to grow, they do great. But you can confirm this with your medical professional, ask them to sit down with you, go over the growth chart, so that you can understand them, and that instead of worrying about size, you can focus more on these habits and behaviors that really help promote health. Now, I wanna talk a little bit about my experience because I said that I've had experience with both of these. So my older son is by birth, very vigorous, bouncing baby boy at birth who, like his mommy, really enjoys food. (laughs) And for the first six years of his life, I was struggling a lot with food and my body and overeating and binge eating and really very worried that he was going to turn out to be a quote, overeater like me. I still had a lot of anxiety and bias about weight, and thinness, and what it meant, and how it reflected on me as a mother, if my child was overweight or deemed to be unhealthy because of how he ate. So that was very anxiety-provoking for me. So I became more and more controlling over time because my child is a hearty eater. He he likes to eat and he enjoys food. Part of that is a genetic trait. I mean, there are genetic traits that determine what is called food approach. And that is how enthusiastic a child is about tasting and exploring food. And myself, my son, and my husband are all high food approach people, okay? But I, because of my influence, probably caused some issues around scarcity for my older son until I learned better. And it's taken a few years, but I feel like we're at a really good place now. Definitely never going to claim that I'm perfect or that my family and the way I do things is perfect, but right now I feel proud of where I am and how far I've come in letting go of some of those anxieties. So I used to be very controlling about what I gave him, what I fed him, um, discourage eating too much, and really just honing in on how much he ate. Once I learned the principles of intuitive eating and how to apply it to my family, that's changed significantly. I feel like it's in a better place. And we can talk more about that next week. Now, the other situation is having my second son, who is adopted, and he came home at 18 months. He had been in a situation before where he was malnourished. So he was just I mean, adorable, the cutest little tiny thing. But at 18 months old, he was wearing nine-month clothes. So he was small. He came home at 18 months. He wasn't yet walking. And he also didn't speak English (laughs) because he's adopted from a foreign country. So, you know, I had read all the books, I had done all of the training on the different is- food issues that an adopted, especially internationally adopted child can come home with, not especially because even domestically adopted children, a lot of them can have um, food scarcity issues and-, and things like that. So it's very common in adopted children. But I wasn't used to having a child that what did not have high food approach. So Desta is the opposite of my older son. He is a little bit more cautious around food i'm definitely not going to call him picky because i would not describe him as a picky eater but he's definitely more cautious and he is highly tuned into his body so he doesn't eat the majority of the time unless he's hungry and he stops when he's satisfied even if it means leaving an entire half of something or a few bites or whatever so i wasn't used to that And I worried about how much he was eating. And if he was, you know, he was this little thing and I wanted to make sure he grew and had his catch-up growth and had enough for his brain. You know, we're always worried about these kids' brains and making sure they have enough, quote, fat and whatever. And then I started worrying about that and making sure he was eating. And believe me, there were some major meltdown battles. Dinner time just became this, torturous thing of tears and eat this and you can't leave unless you eat and all this kind of thing. So I definitely learned my lessons that way. And it changed the way that I treated my child based on their size. And that is really not ideal. So as you can see in both these situations, it caused issues because I was focused on size. So Desta was definitely eating enough and he definitely got his catch up growth. But since I was focusing on getting him to try to overeat it was not working okay and you know there were some other issues too there about you know trying to force him to eat certain foods and this kind of thing and I'll talk more about that in the next episode but those are just some examples of how whenever we are focused on our child's size it can change the way we feed them and it's not necessarily a beneficial thing for them or for us So I hope that this was helpful. Your call to action for this week is to notice any anxieties you have about your child's size or weight and reflect upon where you might have felt the need to control your child's weight or size. Have you had times when you were pushing foods or certain foods because you wanted your child to gain weight Have there been times when you have tried to restrict your child's intake because you are trying to control their weight? What would change in your life if you would let go of the need to control their weight? How would your life be different? Okay. This was one of those concepts that I think is so important, and I hope that it resonated with you. Let me know what you think send me an email, message me on social media, and let me know what your thoughts are. Like I said, next Sunday I will be talking about how to support your child with intuitive eating and going over the five pillars of healthy eating. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe to my podcast, rate and review it, share it with somebody that you think might benefit from this message, reach out to me. Thank you so much, veggie lovers, for your support. I so appreciate and so, so, so grateful for you. Have a beautiful and plantastic day. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at Rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at Rocket Surgeons Music. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, all of my social media links can be found in the podcast description. Send me a message and let me know what you think of today's podcast sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and drop me a line if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day.